0: Welcome to the Pro Aging Podcast. I'm Steve Gurney, founder of the Positive Aging Community. We're excited that you can join us for our interactive discussions with pioneers and thought leaders on a wide variety of topics related to aging and longevity. Today, my co-host, Tom Grass from JK and Moving Services and I have a thought-provoking chat with Ryan Frederick, who's the CEO of Smart Living 360 and the author of Right Place, Right Time, The Ultimate Guide to Choosing a Home. The second half of life. So let's jump into the discussion. Um, I see we got uh, Ryan on the screen here, so this is exciting. Um, I say let's let's jump into this discussion and uh, get to know uh, get to know Ryan. I um I want to remind our audience that. The best thing about these discussions is they're live and interactive. And so you can interact with the other attendees in the audience, and you do that through chat. Just make sure that you use that drop-down menu that says everyone, so everybody can see your message. And then you can interact with Ryan and Tom and I by using that. The best way to do it is just type in your questions using that Q&A box at the bottom of your screen but you can also raise your virtual hand and we'll bring you on audio. Uh, unless you want your camera on, we're, we're not gonna see you. So uh, Ryan, I forgot how many years I've known you, but I've known you for years. You're definitely a, a thought leader in the aging space. And, um, uh, but for those in the audience that don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background and what led to this uh, this new book, and it is a new book. I think it's just hot
1: off the press the last 30 days. That's right. And and Tom, good to meet you. And Steve, um, it's great to see you. I, uh, I, I remember when we met Steve, we were, I can't remember the year, but you were presenting in Roanoke, Virginia oh, yeah. at the SFCS Architects Conference. And you were sharing your story about how you lived in a senior living community. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, this guy, we got something in common. And, and so that started what's become, yeah, a good, you know, a, a, a valuable friendship over, over quite a number of years. And we, um, uh, I used to live in, in Baltimore. We were in Baltimore for about nine years. And then about two plus years ago, we moved to Austin, Texas for a variety of different reasons. So haven't seen Steve as much recently, but uh, awesome to see all of the great content that now is virtually available, you know, as yeah, well. exactly. So, I mean, in fact, I, I think this is one of the best, um, certainly the best I know of, of, of regional networks and content. Uh, it's really awesome what you do, Steve. So yeah, in terms of my background, um, as you know, but for others that don't know me as well, um, yeah, I've been in this, in this, I would say this field of, of aging and then the role of place, really the intersection of those two for the last 15 years. Uh, the abridged version of my story is I, I really was... Uh, I I majored in Alaska Engineering College, worked in Silicon Valley for a couple of years. Company went public like, wow, this business thing is pretty easy. And then we had some guys, unfortunately, um, do some fraudulent activities and they ended about five people went, went and went to jail. It was a crucible for me early in my career. I took a step back. What do I want to do? Who do I want to do it with? What impact would I like to have? And that sent me back to Stanford Business School. And I did this pivot. And I went away from technology and figured like, how can I have some impact on how we think about a longer life and the role that place can have in that. So as part of that journey, wrote a letter to some executives in senior housing, didn't know anyone. The only person that responded was Paul Clawson, the CEO of Sunrise. He said he wouldn't pay me for the summer. And so we tried to find a way to make it work. So part of it was living in their guest room. And the other part of it was living in a senior living community in Atlanta for a month and, and that, that summer while unconventional, a lot of my classmates like what, what are you doing? Um, it turned me on to the fact that we do some great things I think as a society for people as we get older but we can do better. And so for the last 15 years I've been on the private equity side so I've invested in different communities and, and so on. I've been an executive for the largest senior housing companies uh, in the country. Um, I've developed new models, uh, age-friendly models uh, actually in the DC area i uh, been on the board of different companies, and I do strategy consulting for groups across the country, um, investors, senior housing groups, uh, multifamily groups, and, and so on. Um, in that process, I got all these questions, I'm sure similar, Steve, to what you get, which is, what should I do? And, and they kept happening so often among friends and family. I said, wait a second, maybe I can save myself some time and just bundle this into a book. Um, and, uh, now I thought that was gonna be a time saver. I'm not so sure that's how it's played out, but, uh, hired a book agent and, and, uh, I have a brother-in-law that's written a number of books and he, he kept needling me and eventually, uh, uh, uh got the best of me. Um, but I went and I, uh, Johns Hopkins, they have a, they have a special vertical on health and wellness. And, and this book is in that vertical. And, and, and so in what happened, uh, as part of that, I just realized as I was writing it and we'll get into this in a second, but just felt like this was a really timely topic before the pandemic with more people aging and recognizing that 50% of kids born today are gonna to live to in the developed countries are gonna to live to at least hundred. So this idea of, of living long is not just a baby boom phenomenon, it's really like a new norm, especially for those that have some resources and are educated. And then in the process um, had written about a third of the book and then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden had to rewrite that third, but also realized that this was gonna be an even more defining issue because, you know, um, anyway, it's, it's, it's well, uh, that's the process that kind well, of- this,
0: this is actually really rare. I mean, we have a lot of authors on here, but um, most of them, they their book was uh, being printed before the pandemic. The fact that you had the opportunity to at least review and update uh, with the pandemic, that's great. And we can, we can dive into some questions related to that here. Um, but folks, what, uh, Tom and I, obviously we've got some questions that that are on the top of our mind that we'll kind of hit Ryan up with, and then, uh, but we'd love it if, uh, if you all would also add fuel to the fire as well. So just feel free to jump in at any point in time with your questions, either type them in or raise your hand. But uh, Tom, let's, let's let sure. it rip. If you've got any questions you'd like to ask uh, Ryan and we'll yeah, see where so, the discussion so, goes. Perfect. So so Ryan, you've talked about it a
2: couple of times, the word place. The the book is Right Place, Right Time. What What is place or how, how are you looking at or reading
1: into that? Yeah, for sure. And going back to Steve's comment, yeah, de- definitely encourage questions. It's really everyone's situation is a bit different. Um, maybe not too much fire, but definitely take a lot of questions. Um, so, so, so yeah, you know, it's interesting, um, Tom, because place in some ways has bit amorphous. Like what do we mean by place? And, and, and I, I'll admit when I started writing the book, I don't think I really thought deeply enough about what place should mean. But as I thought more about it, place is a lot of things. Sometimes we think of it as just our four walls. Um, and that is meaningful, that physical environment that we interact with you know, every day. But it's a lot more than that. Like place is the neighborhood we're in. Place is what metropolitan area we're in. Are we in an urban, suburban, uh, rural area? What state are we in? What region of the country? Uh, and even what country you know, are, are we in is, is, is meaningful. And so we, ha- we have to see place as a composite of all of those things, because in some cases, you may have an amazing neighborhood, an amazing physical dwelling, but you may not be in a great region that has some different challenges. The, 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 the example I often use really is a form of hyperbole, but it illustrates the point. If you have an amazing house, but you live in Afghanistan. This is a really challenging time, and so you have to see it. You know, in it's composite. On the other side, you know, you can live in a great area where the metropolitan area is 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 booming and there are a lot of resources, but your physical space just may be the wrong one. You know, for where you are right now. So, um, so that's that's I think. And then there, and then of course, there's that the emotional connection uh, that we have to place. So it's it's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's not just. A physical uh, a relationship as well. So there's a lot in that as you get into it. Um, and then, you know, in the context of healthy aging, why does place and healthy aging intersect? Um, and this is where many of us know this, but I think it's an impo- important reminder, our lifespan is largely de- re- determined by our lifestyle and, um, and our physical environment. Our DNA, our genetics only account for about 30% of our longevity. So a lot of it really is, do we have purpose? Are we socially connected? Are we physically active? Are we financially well? You know, people with purpose, they're two and a half times less purpose, which they can articulate, that's bigger than themselves. They can, um, they're two and a half times less likely to develop cognitive mild uh, impairment, you know, or dementia. Like it matters similar with with social connections like people i'm sure you many of you have heard of this but people that report themselves as regularly lonely you know they are um they it's the has the health equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day and your risk of premature death is 30 percent more likely so there's other examples for physical well-being and financial well-being as well but where we live influences those things if we're around others that have purpose, we're more likely to have that be a priority. If we're around others that are socially connected or it makes it easier to bump into each other and participate, that influences our life. So, so place has this very direct impact for us, uh, you know, for those that might have some mobility issues, if you've got stairs or other you know, issues, like you're not in the right place for you to thrive physically, but it has a lot of indirect meaningful benefits too. So. It's a really big thing that I think sometimes we we can overlook when we when we map out plans for for thriving over a longer a longer
0: life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the combination of place and purpose actually are there are two themes that pretty much come up on every one of these discussions that we do. Um, we did have a uh, a question that came in. Uh, can you just reiterate your affiliation with Johns Hopkins?
1: Uh, somebody missed that yeah sure absolutely well I have a few affiliations actually I am um, I referenced it here because Johns Hopkins University Press is the publisher of Right Place Right Time okay. um, it, it's coincidentally I'm also on the National Advisory Board of Johns Hopkins School of Nursing which is the top nursing school in the country maybe internationally really um, and incidentally one thing that's happening uh, on, the, on the healthcare side of things that I've seen, I'm sure you've seen this too, Steve, in your world, is that people in the healthcare world are recognizing that um, housing in many respects is a, is a health intervention because people that aren't in a good place, they're more likely to end up utilizing our expensive healthcare system, which is not good for the healthcare system, often not good for us. So um, it's, it's how we think about house, housing, even separate than individually, how we think about society is changing as well. That's great. Um,
0: We've talked about it a little bit, but the pandemic. So I'm I'm interested in your thoughts on the pandemic. And um, I imagine, I I don't wanna steal your thunder here, but the the big thing that we're getting from our community is the pandemic has made it very difficult to continue my purposeful life, you you know? so, but share your thoughts on the pandemic.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, Steve, you, you, you've stolen my thunder before. I think I've stolen yours too, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think what's happened is that a few things have happened. You know, you got the pandemic. I've heard some people now refer to as the endemic. So we're, now that more of us have been vaccinated and we hopefully are on the tail end of things, we have a new normal on the, on the other side. So we really can talk about both worlds for a moment. I think what happened in the early days and really the peak of the pandemic is in in my circles, I've seen more and more people um, recognize that where you lived mattered. And we saw these, sadly, these headlines of people that were in in the wrong place as it played out. Maybe they were really socially isolated. Maybe they were in a skilled nursing facility that was poorly run. And it had an impact, in some cases, a fatal impact for people. And so we saw the downside of that very meaningfully. Um, I think we also saw that there were some where, while it impacted all of us, some that actually didn't impact too poorly in some cases, where they already, they did have a, a vibrant uh, social fabric network they were part of, and, and they were able to all considered, you know, do somewhat um, well during the pandemic. And so I think it highlighted, the fact that place matters it also highlighted that we're, life is fleeting. You know, sometimes we just plug along and we pretend as though each day is gonna keep rolling and you know, our life don't change. Well, I think the music stopped. And I think it forced all of us to say, well, wait a second. Am I really where I wanna be? Am I in the right place where I wanna be? Do I have the right purpose? that I wanna have, going back to your point, Steve. So I think there's a number of things that like force self-reflection in a way that that didn't happen necessarily in a normal course of life. I think as we shift to the endemic stage, now it gives us a chance to reflect on what do we do about it? Are we gonna bounce back and and just go back to exactly the way we were? We we have three teenage kids and uh, it's chaos. And and it was kind of nice having a, a moment of pause you know, in, in the life, look, you know, more family dinners and so on. Um, in some respects, we've just bounced back to where it was. And my wife and I have been doing our best to actually not have that happen. How can we create more intentional space, you know, as a family and, and, and say no to things so we do have more time, you know, as a family while the kids are still with us? Um, but I think that between the focus on place, between this idea that, that life is fleeting. And the fact that for people that have owned assets, whether it's in the stock market or in your house, many of those assets have appreciated. Now, we're facing inflation in different ways at the moment, but it also means that in some respects, a number of us are are wealthier than we would have imagined having gone through a pandemic. Not everyone, but a number of people have. And so what that means then is we need to think a bit more about like what is this plan again over over a longer term life? So I, I think it's, I, I, I pandemic was awful in so many respects. I guess part of the silver lining in my world is it may it's made the topics that I care about higher on people's radar screens, and it's made the uh, right place, right time even more timely here as a as a conversation for people.
2: So so Ryan. That's a perfect segue into what we've been involved with over the pandemic is people are starting to work from home, right? So they have one home, maybe they have a vacation home, they didn't have to go to work, they sold one house, moved to the, you know, the vacation home or whatever. So we've been moving a lot of people to a lot of places. Um, when you're an elderly person or you're looking to do your second phase of life, how do you find the place?
1: Well, it is funny. I, I don't want to encourage people to write a book necessarily because it's a, it's a bit of a beast, at least it was for me. But when you, when you write something, in this case, you know, a couple hundred pages, it forces you to really think through issues in a way that when you talk on the fly or you write an article, you're not forced to do. And, and in that process, Tom, one of the things that happened for me is I found that uh, where we choose as a place is it's it's a very personal issue. So something that Tom you might want for a particular life chapter it might be totally different for me and we both may be right and I think that's I think that's part of what we uh, the opportunity for all of us is how can we find the right place for each of us at that's at that right stage in, in life and so I found that it has a number of variables and in fact I, um, wrote the book to uh, be optimistic. I wrote the book to be provocative, but I also wrote the book to be very practical and helpful for people. And one of the areas I, I included was a self assessment stage. And so I, I have a series of questions and I've got a lot of positive feedback for those that have read the book that I ask people going back to Steve's point earlier, like some questions that probe them around purpose. You know, do you have a purpose for you know, this stage? I probe people about, uh, like I mentioned earlier, around um, uh, being uh, socially connected, around being physically active, around being financially well for a longer life, and also very specifically about place. And so I think, and there's factors with each, within each of those. So I think what's one of the things that's really important for people is to be thoughtful enough about the things that matter to you And then to the extent possible, be as honest with yourself about where you are on these measures, because there are things you can do to make your current place better or potentially move to a new place that when you do make those moves, do they actually move these key factors in your life that really matter? So sometimes we think about a place too narrowly when in fact, and I know Zillow is great because they got these amazing pictures. Heck, I want to See some of these things. I want to move into them, but they don't give you any sense of who your neighbors are. They don't give you sense of what your neighborhood's like. They don't give you a sense of necessarily the broader area. So there's a lot of factors that matter beyond just the, uh, I guess, the house porn, you know, that Zillow and others sure. have. Um, and so, so I think there are quite a number of questions to consider. And as I described, a number of those are lifestyle based, like I, like I shared, and and it requires some, some deeper thinking.
0: Um. Great. Well, we're starting to get some questions that are flowing in here, and I think um, here's one. It says, "What type of housing situation do you recommend for seniors who want to maintain a separate living space, not just a bedroom, be nearby others, and who want to be able to age in 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 place?"
1: So that's a great question. And it's a great question. And it's, it's a question that I'm sure Steve, you know, I've had you and I've talked about in the past, but it's one that I really dove into deeply in the process of writing this book. And, and part of it was, I think for those that aren't terribly knowledgeable, we tend to either think it's a single family home or it's senior living, right? And in some cases people's, their knowledge is skilled nursing. And there's a sense of heck no, I don't want to go to skilled nursing ever i'm going to live in my house no matter what and and the good news the good news i want to share is actually there's a lot of options in between those and even more encouraging there's a lot more coming so specifically uh around this question um a few things you know, and and and, and the part of it is as i said describing what you're looking for and then what options, but then you have to localize those options. So depending where you are, if you're in the greater DC area, there are some specific things that um, maybe we can go to go into offline. But as, as categories, um, you know, you're seeing a number of, um, I'll describe them as townhomes, where they're effectively almost like duplexes, separate spaces. Um, where it's more than just a bedroom, where you have your own space, where universal design is incorporated. Uh, there, they, These spaces may not even be age-restricted, but they're really thoughtfully done. So it's uh, you even have places where either elevators is, exist or can be added uh, over time. Um, and they're really attractive. And a number of these areas are, are walkable areas that, uh, that people can get to. So that's one example. For sale, you're seeing increasing number of what I would describe as, as rental single family homes, some of which are are now uh, uh, becoming built by, it's becoming more um, professionally done uh, in certain markets. Um, so there's that, another thing I'm seeing in, in some areas, uh, certainly here in Austin. Um, in fact, we bought a house in Austin where this could be something we do. And that is you're seeing more accessible dwelling units, they call ADUs, where you can drop a cottage in an existing property, maybe behind it. And that allows a separate space that either you could go live in or you could have family live in or a caregiver could be there. And so there's ways in which you could could move there, you could rent your house. Um, So that's another example. You're seeing some other markets, um, those types of communities built in some scale. So uh, there are these ideas of, of village neighborhoods or they're built in in different villages together you're some seeing some areas where it's officially co-housing where you come in and you own the properties together and there's an element of helping each other so the good news is there's a lot of different models and, yeah. and so I think it's an important way in on those
0: you know it kind of intersects with the with her question but um, one of the one of the uh, times when our lives intersected. And I, I was just super impressed with this project you were involved with was the housing development that you helped create in Rockville, Maryland uh, called The Stories. And um, the concept is, is that, you know, there's this stigma of moving to a place that says senior living on the sign out front that is very difficult for a lot of people. And I believe that the concept of this uh, community that you uh, helped develop was, hey, there's a lot of things that could benefit an older couple or individual in this building, and we're going to bake them in, but anybody of any age can move in here. Can you tell the folks a little bit about that project? And did you learn anything that you sort of dropped into the book?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Steve, and, and no, thank you. It's, I'm really encouraged because I think what's happening is, uh, Steve mentioned, um, you know, part of my work has been, how can we help uh, create better places? And I do that through consulting as well as development, like Steve mentioned. I describe that as, as really the supply side. And then this book is for people to empower them, inform them to make better decisions about what I think is a really significant decision and that side i really see that as the demand side of the equation and so if we can get people more informed the demand but at the same time create better supply we're going to find more options where there's a match and one of the one of the areas i'm particularly excited about is um, is this age friendly movement and, and and dc the great dc is is one of the leaders in this and it started off um, initially uh, actually the world health organization who they have gone um, nationally and what they've done is they've helped people understand um, that how can we work with policymakers so that and planners so that we can have sidewalks that work for people of all ages that we can create buildings in general that make it work for all ages and specifically um, uh, on the on the apartment side so several years ago as you point out Steve, worked with a developer and said, wait a second, why are we building apartments that are largely focused and really just designed for younger people only? How about we create uh, apartment buildings that really work for people of all ages? And we can do that without adding a whole lot of cost in building in and operating it. And so that's what we did. And, and so part of what happened was we went in and we used a number of universal design principles, wider doorways, slip resistant tiles, blocking behind the walls for grab bars, showers with benches, and, and then also create this idea that we can um, uh, create more of a community. How can you get to know your neighbor coming in? You're not required, but we're gonna make it easier. And also then coordinate services for people, uh, whether it's health or lifestyle. And it was, it's been really warmly received and we've had people of all ages uh, there in the buildings, People actually from the early 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, young families, and, and part of the research on healthy aging, it's really valuable for people of inner of different generations to become friends. It helps older people, it helps younger people. And so we saw the spark of this in the community. So I'm hopeful, Steve, I think you're going to see more communities like this across the country where more people are going to say, wait a second, let's just build things that work better for society in general. And I think the stories was the beginning of what's going to be more of a national movement.
0: Great. Hey, thanks Steve. Looks like- Got a pile like of this. questions coming in now.
1: Yeah, I like this next question. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, Ryan, through your research and uh, so on, have you uh, encountered uh, couples that as they age, they don't agree on uh, the right place for both people?
1: So, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I, say, I said this to some of my friends, if I, read, if I write this book and it just makes my parents communicate better and have a plan together, then it'll be a success. So I'm not sure it's been successful by that measure just yet. Um, but, uh, but I, yeah, you know, Tom, what I did is I wrote it with the idea that we've got single people trying to figure it out. We've got couples, we've got uh, families that are working together to figure it out. And so how can we, um, uh, have a process, which is really what part of what the book outlines with that self-assessment I talked about earlier, where people can raise these issues that are important to them and, 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 and have some, some, some dialogue. I have some prompting questions in the book. I'm not a psychologist, though I, though I did have some psychologists review the book and incorporate some ideas around it, because the more that we can understand um, to some degree unemotionally, here's where we are in our journeys because oftentimes what can happen is our partners we're not necessarily aging at the same at the same rate sure. and so we have to separate them preferences we also need to factor in that there may be a different risk profile for one spouse to another and, and how do we really make that work and and so I think that um, I, I do believe that it, I think the book's helpful in starting some of that dialogue um, but I would say it, you know, it really matters. And sometimes when, when people don't agree, the default is you don't do anything. And, and, and that, as I said, over time um, can, be, can be a real concern because sometimes that people that, that opt to age in place, we may talk about this later, that can work for a little while, but is rarely the right situation for the long-term. And, and so if you find yourself at an impasse, it just it, it introduces risks for either or uh, either one or really both of, of the people in a relationship.
0: Great. Um, let's see. Uh, Melissa asks, uh, she says, thank you, Ryan. I agree that being in a home that is safe and encourages independence is an essential key to wellness as one age, ages. We need to collectively and collaboratively work together to decrease those false statistics. I look forward to checking out your book. Do you discuss funding options for home modifications if one would prefer to stay at home? And I think you, you know, obviously we got JK moving on here, and we've got that we've been talking about moving to these walkable locations, but maybe you could talk a little bit about: hey, what if right here is where I'm gonna stay and I'm not moving anywhere? In fact, that's a that is a topic of discussion for a lot of couples.
1: It is. So uh, a couple of things I'll, I'll speak to on that. Um, you know, one is you, we have this term aging in place. And I, in fact, I dedicated a chapter. I have a little bit of rant. I ran on this. I find aging in place, although conventionally used term, um, I think it's a really challenging term. I think that uh, it, it, it it makes it seem like it's passive, like something that's happening to you as opposed to you being the primary agent in your life, and then place—it feels like we're statues, like we're like stuck in place, and and so I, I think that um uh, a part of so I so one I suggest at least for opening up our minds. I suggest an alternative term would really be like living in community, this idea that we're living like our, just our, our lives are longer, but we're living. And, and how how are we um, setting these different decisions around what we want to do with these extra chapters? And then in community has a bit of a dual meaning, because it means that what, what, we're, what, what it says is it means that we we may love our physical place. But what we really like is our broader community. We may go back to Rockville. Maybe someone identifies with Rockville. That's their community, but maybe they need a change of their physical place, but they still want to stay somewhere in their broader community in Rockville. In fact, on average, people move about a dozen times in their life, and most of those moves are local moves. Um, and, then, and then the other piece uh, around this is um, we also, it's so important in terms of people um, having uh, social that social connectedness of community. So sometimes if we're aging in place, we're just thinking not about, we we aren't necessarily as proactive about keeping and and really growing and establishing new social relationships that are so important. So that's a bit of my aging in place rant, Um, specifically on on how to think about it. I think that, um, and I it made me think a bit about when Kendra was talking about the process of going through for downsizing, we really need, need to have a compelling why to move. You've got a combination of, I would say, pull or push. Pull means you have a better vision of where you want to be. And so therefore, you're at some level excited to go through and say, OK, I'm excited for this next chapter. Let me figure out um, what, what's the process to downsize. The other piece is more push, like some I fell or something bad happened with my health. And now I'm, I find myself p- pushed out. And so I think part of the reason I wrote the book is I think we're going to be better as a society if we get more people Seeing exciting future chapters, whether that means you stay in your house or whether that means you, you know, you then move. And so, I think one of the tricks, though, to get that specific question is that um, it can be uh, expensive to do home modifications. There is some work. In fact, I know Louis Tenenbaum in the greater DC area. I think I think Homes Renewed is his organization. There are, and I make reference to that a bit in the book. There are some resources I point out in the book to have like to go down that, uh, to to think more about how can you unlock some either local county resources because some counties do have resources. I think Montgomery County, I think, does have some funds to support people to do this as well as kind of broader federal funds. Um, But in my view, the people that are most successful are gonna see this as part of a broader strategy. And they'll say, okay, I'm doing this for the following reasons. And sure, there's some money to offset it, but there's other reasons that make this even the right decision to go down.
0: That's great. And um, the uh, Steve said, did I hear you say it's rarely a solution to age in place? I I'm not sure if you said that, but
1: but you might have. Uh, Yeah. So let let me let me uh, try to uh, uh, clarify that. So. So in my belief, as I thought more about this, um, aging in place defined as your single same single family home. say you've had for decades. That's rarely the right place over the long haul, in my opinion. What typically happens is that people underestimate the, the mismatch of, their, of the, their physical needs relative to the physical dwelling. People often find themselves more socially isolated, particularly in suburban situations, than they could be you know, otherwise. Um, I think oftentimes people underestimate really what the costs are. of of not only maintaining their house, their single family house they've owned, but also, and this is an important point, is the opportunity cost of that equity in their house redeployed in other investment vehicles. So it's not that it can't be a good strategy in certain windows, but I, as I've thought about it, as I've talked to people, it's rarely, in my view, the right strategy over the long haul.
0: Tom got a good one there for you. I don't know if if uh, Ryan can answer that one.
2: So adding, uh, so uh, Anneth says uh, adding an elevator so we can stay in the same multi-floor single family home that we like is what we are looking into but find it pretty expensive, $50,000 or so. Any comments
1: and advice? Yeah, you know, uh, it is funny, Um, we have three uh, kids, teenagers, and, uh, you know, they're knocking here on on college door around the corner. So if I compare any cost like this to just a year's tuition in college, all of a sudden, certain things don't seem so expensive. But That's more my issue. Um, uh, A couple of things on this. Again, I go back to what I just said. I think you need to take a step back and say, is staying in our single family home really the right thing for us? in our current stage and in future stages. So we've got to answer that question first. Right. And the second question, as you get into it, is mapping out what is our financial plan as we live a longer life? Um, because you know that $50,000 can be expensive. On the other hand, um, if we have a longer life but not a healthy life, we start to think about what the costs are for long-term care or care. All of a sudden, $50,000 isn't that much sadly, when we think about how much care is there. So what we're trying to do, I believe, is have this overlapping concentric circles of a longer life or, or health or um, lifespan, have that intersect with, with our health span, where are we really, you know, healthy, and then also with our wealth span, where do we have financials to fund a life that we want to have. And so um, it I, I i would encourage you to certainly look into uh what an elevator would look like another thing to think about too is there there could be some real estate real estate resale value to your house because there are there's a lack of age-friendly homes in general only about three percent of the housing stock in the whole us has certain features for those that have some limited mobility issues so that's another element to think about but i in my view i think it's part of a a broader strategy that that you and, and your partner need to think through.
0: Great, and uh, you know, the, your your talk has intersected so many things that we talk about, and of course, the aging in place and the universal design and designing your home is is since we brought this topic up, uh, the the can is open now. So we got a few questions on on this topic. Um, you had mentioned earlier um, adding an elevator. And Anna says adding an elevator so we can stay in the same multi floor single. Oh, wait, no. Did we already? Yeah. I just, yeah, I we just answered that. that one. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Um, and then Melissa says home modification can also be part of the plan when a move is necessary, as well to ensure that one's new home is comfortable and safe. Melissa, I really like that. And Ryan, I'm curious at your thoughts on that. So, for example, for that person that's not ready to move to the place that says senior living on the outside, and you're challenged with finding the right place, it might require
1: some modifications. Absolutely, and, and that's why you have to be, I think, super thoughtful about these different paths. And so it happens sometimes as people focus a bit more on the stairs, right? And, and it's funny, you know, we, we moved here to Austin a couple of years ago, and uh, our, it's a two-story house, but our master bedroom is on the first floor. And, and most people wouldn't care, but as someone that's put a lot of thought into this, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. That could be helpful if we want to be you know, here for a long time. And so things like having your, having stairs on, on, on the second floor for a master bedroom could be a challenge. But as I said, you need to think about is part of this broader strategy, because if you're not ready or senior living doesn't feel like the right fit for you, Um, how can you extend what your current place is like can be helpful at the same time? Um, what's happening is a number of these options are really expensive in senior living. So whether you move into a buy-in community that can be tens of hundreds of thousands in cases, million dollars to, to move in, or in some cases, if it's just a rental community, it can be five, 7,000 or more a month, those dollars add up. So if you can find a way to, um, to have a current place or an alternative place, or for a longer stretch of time, that, that can be a really good investment f- across a number of different measures. So I I do I think a, a number of people should be thinking about um, uh, what 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 the path looks like if you don't move, uh, but but not just financially and based on your physical needs, but what does it mean for social connection? What does it mean for purpose, physical well being, and so on? Um, so so really,
2: Ryan, our past webinars have been a lot about moving our parents, you know, when they get very elderly, what what to do and how to help them. When you were writing your book, did you have an age group in mind or is this a broad spe- spectrum?
1: Yeah, great question. So what happened was um, I, uh, I basically, I started off just like Steve, right? Because a lot of our expertise is more on the senior housing side. But as I thought more about it, I said, wait a second, like we, there's plenty of people that are gonna live longer. In fact, most people never go to senior living. So it, it made me think, wait a second, there's, there are these other housing environments, whether it's people's existing single family homes or other models. And so I, that, that was the initial piece, but then I took a further step back and said, wait a second, this is not a, just an issue when you're in your seventies and eighties. It becomes a real issue uh, or opportunity, I should say, really for for couples when their kids leave like a lot, at least for us, a lot of our lives seem to be focused a bit right now on on where these kids are going and how to get them there and so on. But once once they move to their next stage, um, then we have degrees of freedom to think about where we want to be along the way. So to me, um, Tom, it really started, I would say, people in their 50s. Up through their early '80s, where you can where you're where you can plan. Now, what's happened is I've had the book go out. I've had people come back to me in their 40s, 30s, even 20s, where they've said, oh, wait a second! Actually, the principles you're talking about apply to me at my stage, because I'd like to figure out the right place to have digger, you know, big digger have uh, deep roots and to be more socially connected." So, in some respects, while the book is really, I would describe it, people 50 and above. Um, I've seen people younger than that say, wait a second, a number of these messages really apply to, to my, my planning as well.
0: Um, I dropped into the chat a comment from Karen, who says, I also think there needs to be a new model for singles. Many of my older single clients would love a community that is more golden girls than uh, a modern one. And I I did drop in there, Karen, uh, Silver Nest, which is a resource, but Ryan, curious about your thoughts on um, home sharing, because it does intersect the saving money, but also purpose and companionship too. Yeah,
1: you know, Steve, and I thought more about this, you and I should have co-wrote this book. Um, So, because Silver Nest is, is, it's one of the things I talk about. I have a chapter talking about what are these different models and emerging ones. And in Silver Nest, there's a couple other versions as well, uh, that are out there, and, and it's it's great because what it a few things it does again as another option to consider is that it is um, like the Golden Girls example. It allows you to do some mutual screening, so this isn't just a random person. You get an opportunity to have somewhat of a, of a match, and so doesn't this necessarily mean it has to be your best friend, but it can be another person that's part of this social fabric to help might help life work you know, as, as things play out. And, and if you own your home, or even if you rent a home and you have an extra, extra space, then it's, it becomes an alternative um, uh, uh, revenue stream. I have a a good friend of mine that's used that really successfully in, in the Boston network. So I share a story with her more broadly though, when we look at Golden Girls, I think that you're seeing uh, more models that are emerging, whether they're, it could be in apartments, like I described with the stories, like those that are out there where you can go in with friends and just happen to be in the same building. I'm seeing some examples where people are going into co-housing developments together and and they're, they're owners in an entity. I'm seeing some situations where people are being real entrepreneurs and they're 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 getting some land and they're deciding to build a couple homes next to each other. So that can, there's ranges of complexity. There's ranges of of, um, of commitments to them. Um, but I think I've actually one of things that has happened. Um, people in in California here in Texas and some people on the, on the East Coast as well. They've reached out. and They said we want to use this book as part of our, um, a uh, our monthly book group, because then there's an opportunity to talk about some of these issues together with good friends. And, and there may be some ideas that, that, that emerge through that. But the good news is there are a number of options and there's more There's more coming.
0: Great, and uh, Tom,
1: I just glanced at the clock
0: and we're almost to the top of the hour. You wanna take this last uh, question yep. and then we'll get um, Ryan to kind of close on some wrapping up. Sure, MP, MP uh, says in terms
2: of your discussion prior to moving, What are your thoughts on visiting an area or the area of interest at different times of the year before making that final decision?
1: Okay, this is a fantastic question. And it is, um, I mean, I would have planted this question. This is a great question because (laughs) um, one thing that happens with place is they're big decisions. And sometimes they're actually, they they can be more irreversible than you realize. And so in, in innovation circles, you know, I went to Stanford for business school, they started something called the Stanford Design School. They call it the D School. And the D School, as it relates to um, uh, as it relates to uh, innovation, the, the idea is you come up with a hypothesis, you build a prototype, you be, and you test that prototype and you learn. And so you you learn and then you decide you learn this thing becomes less intellectual and more real life example and it changes your decision making. And so as a result, one of the things I talk about in some detail in the book is applying design thinking principles to how we think about place. And so so, for example, um, we have an acquaintance here in Austin, they they sold their house in our neighborhood. And this is a local move, but they still hold the house and they wanted, they wanted it to be urban living. He worked downtown. They wanted to be condo. They wanted to close the nice restaurants. And so, boom, they did it. They went there. They were there for about a year. They enjoyed it. However, the restaurants were really good. That wasn't a problem. And he could walk to work, and that was great. But their friends weren't there, and they had a really hard time making friends. And they found that that lifestyle isn't what, what they really wanted. And his wife, Mr. Garden, space they used to have so they they then had to sell their condo and then they tried had a hard time to go buy back in their neighborhood so they had the transaction costs related to it Um, they didn't quite find what they wanted the second time around it's better you know than otherwise was but it was a costly decision they would have been better off uh maybe doing an airbnb for a month to see what's like maybe the best thing would have been for them to have rented their house and rented a condo downtown to really see what that was like. And so I think that those same design thinking principles can be helpful if you're thinking about relocating to another part of the country or another city you're not familiar with. I think we have some ideas in our heads, I know I certainly do, that it turns out when you give them the test of real life, they don't quite measure up to what you think they are. And in some cases, there are communities where you can, you know. I know, I know uh, The Villages is, is a successful age-restricted community in Florida. They have the ability for you to, to, to be there for a weekend or a week, as an example. So in some cases, there are places you consider moving to where they can make it easier to test it out. But I highly recommend that you test something before you make a really big decision, particularly if you've got two, two people involved. Because you know, that then you get a sense of how it works for both people. And I, I go through some examples in the book.
0: Great. Holy cow, this is good. We've got a, ro- a lot of good um, comments here. You, you, oh, um, you know, let me throw this one on the pile because I like the um, I, I, I like this new company that's out there called Upside Home. You're, are you familiar with that?
1: Yeah. So so Jake, who founded it, he's a he's a he's a friend of mine. We've presented in a couple of uh, uh, industry panels recently. And they're a good example of another innovative model. The idea behind it is that you can, um, they will help you find a place and then uh, provide services and community around you. And so that's so important because it makes us think more broadly about place uh, as well as have uh, the ability to have some infrastructure to, to fall back on. So, and I'm expecting more and more models to, to emerge i know steve you and i've talked about models in the past as well and i think we're at a really ripe time for innovation Mm -hmm. as more people are looking for something different
0: yeah and thanks carol ragsdale for sharing the upside home i i did cut and paste the uh the website in there for folks so um well uh okay and then um Tom, I was going to have you do one last uh, thoughts here and let Ryan have some, but uh, one one thing that somebody wanted us to mention is chairlifts on stairs versus elevators as a solution. Certainly a lower cost solution. Um, and But again, you know, chairlifts are one of those things. I have so many discussions about this with, with people in our community is the stigma of Seeing the stairlift is oftentimes the barrier. Um, is is that oh, I just never imagined I would live in a home with a stairlift, and that's for some people that's what the benefit of an elevator is. But um, certainly a topic that we we talk a lot about. So um, Tom and oh uh, oh, and the name of the book again, which I I'm going to drop again into. Um, uh,
1: into chat but ryan the name of your book again it's it's uh, i just happen to have a copy next to me it's um it's got right place right time the ultimate guide to choosing a home for the second half of life and, and I dropped, is, yeah I, I dropped
0: that in the amazon link into um in into chat there um uh tom ryan any closing thoughts for the discussion this has been great I just want to thank everybody for joining
2: us today. Ryan, it was great talking to you. Kendra, thank you for your time earlier in the discussion. Uh, and Steve, as always, great job and do appreciate
1: co-hosting with you.
0: Yeah, great. And, um, and Ryan, any, any
1: final closing? Yeah, I would just say this is great. And, and Steve, I'm, I'm just so, I've always been cheering you on, but I think it's awesome the content that you've, and just resources. You've created, uh, you know, I would say, initially in the the, the East Coast corridor, but uh, but now in this virtual world, you know, it's much broader. Oh, that people from all over the world, yeah, yeah. So I think that's we, you know, you and I have talked about impact. So it's great to see that. Um, last thing I would just say is that uh, I think this has come across in our discussion, but place is just huge. <laughs> you know, it's a really big thing, and as I think, uh, sometimes we can get caught more tactically on things. And that's important, but if we don't solve it at a higher level and it's importance, we can get the tactics right, but actually miss the big picture. Um, There is the book like uh, uh, a labor of love um, that the link that Steve said, I also am gonna be adding more and more content on the Smart Living 360 website. Today, there's a monthly blog you can subscribe to, some weekly messages, but there's gonna be more things, including um, I'm gonna have an online assessment That people can take, so you can ask some questions, and and it'll spit out to you kind of a graph here based on the input. uh, Maybe some areas of opportunity. I love it. Well, stay in touch,
0: and I think we're definitely excited to have you back on again. If you've got any ideas or topics that are of interest, and uh, folks, um, we're going to take the Thanksgiving holiday break. I don't like to do these things intersecting with holiday travel, so. We got a bunch of really good discussions planned for the beginning of December, not the end of December, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all soon. Thanks, Tom and Ryan. Thanks. Thank you. Take care.